The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, author of the Cannabis Business Book. And you're listening to the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, where I chat with and coach the highest performing entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here. And on today's episode of the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, I'm joined by Rich Gonzalez, the founder of Amendment 64 and inventor of The Chill, which is a smoking apparatus. And you can, you'll see a lot more of them in, in, in Rich's screen. But Rich, thank you for being here. And if you don't mind, can you tell the folks watching or listening a little more about you and your background? Sure. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for the great intro. Um, I, uh, I'm a, I'm by trade. I am a, uh, I'm an inventor, a product ideator. Um, I've been in the manufacturing uh, and design industry for about six years now. Uh, prior to that, I was, uh, I grew up in retail. Uh, I started out bagging, uh, bagging groceries when I was a kid, moved my way up through uh, the grocery business. And then on to, uh, I worked for Bed Bath & Beyond for 10 years, uh, created a consulting company, started helping people sell to Walmart. Um, and eventually came across a great housewares, an amazing housewares company. Um, and uh, I worked for them for the last uh, six or seven years or so. And uh, that's kind of when I had the, the idea for the chill. Um, one, of, uh, one of the products that uh, I helped create uh, with the last company that I was with uh, was a, a water bottle company called Mana Hydration. Um, and while I was working on that project about four years ago is kind of when I had the great idea. We were making vacuum insulated bottles and, uh, you know, the very first thing since I was a kid, I've always made bongs on my own. And the very first thing that, uh, that came to my head was, man, that would make a very, very cool uh, smoking apparatus. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the gist of it. I, I had the idea about four years ago. Uh, it's taken me four years to bring it to market. But we're finally here. Our goods are actually landing 420, which is, uh, it's a sign, I guess you could say. Um, but, yeah, that's the gist of it, man. That's awesome. And, you know, I, I'll just share with you that my, my family and I landed in America on 420 when I was a baby. Nice. So, you know, I, I, I joke, half joke, that it was my destiny to be doing all of this cannabis, uh, what do you call it? I don't know, advocacy, being a cannabis ambassador. So very cool, very interesting background there, Rich. I'm wondering like why or how did you decide to get into cannabis? And was there a moment when, when it all clicked and you were like, all right, I'm, I'm going all in on this thing? Or did it start more like, I had this great idea, I wanted to pursue it. And you know, t- tell me a little more about that transition, if you will. Sure, um, I mean, it honestly starts back when I was a teenager, when I was, like, when I was in high school. Um, you know, I was, I was working full-time in a grocery store. Uh, and then I was also working full-time, um, you know, in the illicit cannabis marketplace, I guess you could say, right? Um, so I've always been an entrepreneur uh, at heart, uh, but obviously uh, the illicit cannabis market, you know, 25 years ago was, uh, was you know, kind of a scary place to be. So it's, it's something that I, that I exited um, you know, I got married and those kind of things. So, it's, you know, I had to go into corporate world, that type of environment. Um, and then really, it just it just comes down to happenstance. Uh, you know, I, I ended up in the manufacturing industry, design and manufacturing industry, uh, and I had the idea and it was, 
just a light bulb. I just, uh, I just had to go for it. You know, I, I've always had that, that spirit of wanting to do it on my own. That was one of the great things about the last company I worked for. I got to do that with them, uh, but I was doing it with, with uh, spatulas and cutting boards and water bottles and these kind of things. Um, and, and when I had this idea, I, you know, I just, just had to jump on it. Of course, COVID helped me out a lot um, as, as unfortunate as to say something like that. Um, I didn't have to drive into the office every day uh, for, you know, for a year and a half. So that gave me an extra couple hours a day to kind of work on the project. Um, and I, I, you know, I just took advantage of the extra time that I had to, to create the, uh, and launch the, launch the product. Gotcha. So then if I'm, if I'm hearing and understanding correctly, it sounds like this was a side project and you're still working full time and doing the corporate thing and then building this out on the side. Is that right? Or absolutely hundred percent. I've been, I've been essentially working, uh, working, uh, very, uh, I'm an executive at, uh, uh, this, this company or director of sales and marketing. Um, that's my title. Um, so it's a very intense job and, uh, you, you know, it's, it's not something, it's not one of those jobs where you punch in and punch out. It's, it's, it's a 24 seven job. You're on the phone with the factories overnight. You have sales calls constantly, you're building websites, you know, there's all kinds of things that's going on. So I couldn't exactly just put that on pause. So this new, this new company, this new endeavor has just literally been a, you know, a second full-time job. So for the last, you know, two and a half years, three years, it's been, uh, you know, a grind putting uh, literally 80 hours in a week, um, you know, jumping over those hurdles, uh, despite having to, uh, uh, you know, uh, do the day job essentially. Right. So I would have to forget my night job when I was at my night job and, and be hundred percent on board with my day job. And, you know, that's just, that's just kind of how it went. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love how you're, you're so nonchalant about it and, and just so matter of fact, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I know a little of your background outside of all this stuff that you shared with me earlier. And it's just like this, this approach to, working hard and also you know it, it your story just shows me and hopefully the folks listening that if you really care about this stuff if you're really passionate about it you're going to put in those extra hours you're going to work nights and weekends you're going to stay up late you're going to get up early whatever it takes to build it if you're really passionate about it you'll do it you'll show up and you'll figure out a way if you don't know the way, or, or if you, if you can't find the way, make the way. hundred percent. And, and so I, I hear that. I see that in your story. And I just want to encourage everyone. If you're considering being a cannabis entrepreneur, getting into the industry in some way, and you're not willing to put in that those hours or, or make yourself uncomfortable or sacrifice some of that free time or whatever, if you don't have that, whatever it takes mindset, I don't think you're going to make it very far in this industry because there's going to be challenges and hurdles and headaches and all of this stuff that, you know, it's, it's not as glamorous as it seems once you're in it and trying to build something, it's insanely hard. And unless you love it, I, I really recommend that you think twice before you get involved. So anyway, with that said, Rich, I want to ask you, what's your experience been like? working in the industry and trying to bring a product to market in cannabis, as opposed to some of the other industries and spaces you've played in, you know, is it significantly different or 
what's been really surprising for you? What share a little about your experience? Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very different than any other kind of retail in the world. Um, so, uh, you know, with my, with my last company, uh, you know, our buyers were the big box retailers. You, you, you know, you name any big box retailer, you know, the, the Walmarts, the Costco's, you know, those guys, they have thousands of stores, right? So if you land one of those big fish like that and you get one PO from them, it's, it's very lucrative. In this business, um, you know, the, the, I think the biggest, uh, and we're in the, I'm in the ancillary business, so I'm not talking dispensaries, that kind of thing, uh, anything flower touching, uh, strictly ancillary. Um, but in this business, probably the largest, uh, the largest chain of stores is, is 150 doors. So even if you get, even if you land that big deal with that 150 doors, they may only buy one unit per door. So you're selling 150 units. Um, ma manufacturing at scale, um, you know, you're looking at minimum 1,200 units of something to, to purchase, right? If you want to get down, get your costs to where they need to be, and and do imports the way they need to be done, uh, you, you got to be in the five to ten thousand unit range. So it's it's a pretty big risk. You have to you have to know you know you just have to believe in your product. If you believe in your product and and you're willing to take that risk, you know I say I say go for it. Um, uh, it's it it is a very very different marketplace than than any other retail though. That's that's kind of been the biggest hurdle, the biggest learning curve. Um, the other the other part about the cannabis space is uh, uh at least in the on the ancillary side is it's it's really in it in its infancy i like to uh i like to compare it to um, grocery stores in the 1950s so back in the 1950s there were hundreds if not thousands of of small independently owned grocery stores and then they started coming together and say hey let's let's create you know uh, a conglomerate where we all have one distributor buy our goods and distribute it to us. And that way we can, you know, save on cost. So that's kind of where I see um, the cannabis, at least again, in the ancillary space, that's where, that's where we are at right now. Um, you have a bunch of small independent smoke shops. Um, they're all kind of fending for themselves out there. And I think over the next, as, as decriminalization happens across the country, um, you know, there, there's going to be bigger and bigger players in, in the marketplace. Um, but as of right now, it's a grind. If you want to get into uh, each one of those, you got to talk to a million people. Uh, you got to get on that phone. Uh, you know, I, I picked up my first sale literally cold calling for days. No, no, no. I don't. I've never heard of such a thing. I, yeah, you know, literally people hanging up on you. You know, and you just can't stop. It's uh, you know, it's just uh, it, if you if you believe in it, you just can't stop. No, no matter how many no's you get, you just keep keep on going until you get that. Yes. As a former salesperson myself, I, I'm reminded of the old saying that each no brings you closer to a yes. So we love those no's. We love those yeses even more, but we hate those maybes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know, it, it, I always tell people, I grew up, like I said, I, I grew up in the grocery business. You know, I, I didn't go to college. Uh, you know, I started out bagging groceries, but when I started bagging groceries, I learned how to bag those groceries the best freaking way I could, right? And you know, by the time I was 16 years old, I was the I was the salad bar manager at the grocery store, right? And that's that seems like, oh, what is that? You know, I mean, you're a salad bar manager, right? But the teenager, you know, managing thousands of dollars worth of inventory ordering, those kind of things. But I made sure that I learned how to do that job 100%. And I took the knowledge from it with me, right? So every job and every position that I've had, 
through my uh, you know 28 years in in retail and in manufacturing on this side of the business, uh, I've I've literally just soaked up as much knowledge as I can from every single company that I've worked at. Um, you know, I st- I worked for Bed Bath and Beyond as uh, you know as a as a uh, just a you know, a department manager, but even as just a department manager, I took every, I learned every system that the, that the company had. I learned about every single product. I understood everything about every product. And it gave me, it gave me essentially the knowledge base to understand what a package should look like. It gave me, uh, it gave me an idea of what retailers look for in, in an item. It gave me an understanding of what kind of packaging works and doesn't work. So when you're going to that nine to five job that sucks, um, it does, you know, it sucks, right? But if you're gonna if you're gonna make the best of it, don't just make the best of it by be, just being happy. Oh, I'm happy at work. To me, learn something while you're there because there's people that are above you in those positions. There are ownership and management that have done that and 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 have made you know made good things happen for them because of that knowledge. At least that's the way I see it. That's the way I did it. I guess you could say. Awesome, and I have to joke that, you know, I, I heard you say earlier that you're an entrepreneur in the cannabis industry in your youth. And I think the, you know, the, the title of salad bar manager for, you know, cannabis, cannabis entrepreneur, teenage cannabis entrepreneur is a pretty good title, salad bar manager. Yeah. Yeah. I was the salad bar manager. It was, a, it was a pretty good gig, man. I would have, uh, I, I would leave some things in my car. People would come into my place of, of work and I'd give them my car keys. And, uh, and when I came back to my car, there'd be a pile of money in the, under the seat. I don't know how that, I don't know how that worked out, but it worked out good. I was the salad bar manager at the uh, Dominic's foods and uh, just outside of Chicago. So that's awesome. Yeah. Oh man. That's great. I wanted to highlight one thing, which is say, this is something that I also <laughs> preach in my book, the cannabis business book, which is available on Amazon in case you are interested in getting into the business or investing in the business. And I think Rich is living proof that this is an unorthodox industry. And so most people who are successful in this space don't have a traditional background. So I heard Rich say that, you know, he didn't go to college. That's okay. He worked his way up in corporate America and went to, you know, a bunch of big organizations where he learned and developed himself and got an education through experience. And I think that's absolutely critical, you know, as someone who has worked in the corporate world myself, you know, there's a reason some of these big, huge corporations are so successful. And it's because they have good systems and processes and they're effective at getting shit done, which when you're an entrepreneur to have that understanding of, structure and process and how important even just being a professional is even just being you know responding the emails on time and and this kind of thing which is like you know the standard for that in corporate america is often i find much higher than what i've encountered in the nascent cannabis industry but having that experience and being able to bring that into your cannabis venture or whatever your venture is, I think is hugely underrated and often underappreciated. So if you're working that corporate job right now and you think it sucks and you're not enjoying it, make sure you're learning, squeeze the value out of it. That's on you to go and 100%. make sure that you know, you're know you leveraging those resources because the truth is there's a lot of resources there, uh, yep. whether, whether you're aware of it or not. So 
Rich, I want to ask you, what are you most excited about right now in the cannabis world? Well, obviously the launch of uh, the chill, right? So, I mean, we're, we're kind of officially launching uh, in July. Uh, however, our first, uh, our first batch of goods, like I said, is uh, landing here. It's landing in our warehouse on 420, um, which to us is a sign. But yeah, I mean, uh, obviously legalization, probably bigger uh, than the chill. Um, you know, decrypt national decriminalization would be way more excited about that. Um, but you know, obviously, I'm going to be selfish and say that it's uh, 100% the launch of the chill that's the most exciting thing happening in the marketplace right now. <laughs> awesome. So tell me, tell me more about that launch. So where can people go to get a chill of their very own? So for right now, um, they're out of stock online, but they're, like I said, they're going to be in, in stock soon. You just go to www.chill.store. Um, we have them available in both the, uh, the single, single wall uh, or the single stainless steel, or we have some of the mix and matches and the glitters um, that, that are on there too. So one of the great things about the device is it's, uh, it's, it's actually threaded so you can pull it apart and change the neck. So if you liked this blue bottom with that blue top or this blue bottom with that black top, um, then you can make that happen. Um, coming up uh, in uh, my distributors should be getting the product uh, shortly after 420, probably by 510 or so. And they'll start hitting, uh, they're gonna be in about 2000 stores across the country. Uh, and they'll start hitting those stores sometime uh, mid next month. Amazing. And I'm gonna do something something crazy today, something I've never done on the show today, uh, prior to this point. And awesome. this will be like episode 40 something. I'm going to consume some hemp. Hemp. Yeah. You got to get your CBD in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this is actually a, a specific strain of high THC hemp. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they don't like throw that. me off YouTube for this, but I, I think to celebrate the chill coming to market, it would only be right for me to, to show the folks at home how this smoking apparatus works. So it's, it's pretty simple. Here it goes. Ah, nice and cool. Very pleasant. Very smooth. Yeah, I dig well, it. it. I dig yeah, it. Man. Yes, it does. Back in the day, I really enjoyed the warm water in the in the smoking apparatus. Sure. And but for this, I put in like maybe maybe it was too hot, but it was like it stayed so warm. Oh yeah. It was really a very unique hit. I've never experienced that before. And I was like, I don't think this is the way to go here. So now I got the cold water in there and it's extremely effective. I, I love the ceramic lining. You can't, I don't know, maybe you can see, but the, yeah, you know, we probably should explain what the device does, huh? <laughs> that would be a good idea. Part, right? Why don't you do that while I uh, test it again to make sure that the quality is being controlled? Sounds like a plan. So it is a double wall vacuum insulated smoking apparatus. Uh, so in other words, uh, it's two layers of steel where we suck the air out of the in between of those two layers. And when you do that, it works very similar to any of your favorite insulated water bottles where no heat transfer happens. So whatever the temperature of the liquid that you put inside of it is, uh, it'll remain at that temperature for a very long time. 
Um, so it's great for both people who like those warm hits. Um, I don't recommend putting super, super hot water in it when you do that, as you just brought up. But you can add some warm water, and people do like that. Um, but it's also great for uh, making it extremely cold. So uh, you put some ice cubes in there. Those ice cubes are going to last. Uh, you know, we've had we've had we've done testing. Just depending on the ambient temperature, they've gone all the way up to 36 hours on average. Though, if you're if you're uh, if you're a smoker that you know. Uh, you know, smokes all day, you'll probably, you're probably looking at six to 12 hours. Um, you know, if it's a, if it's just for a session for the evening, uh, you're definitely not going to have to add uh, ice, that kind of thing. Um, and then the interior uh, is actually ceramic lined. So it's the exact same stuff. Uh, the ceramic lining is the exact same lining that they put on uh, ceramic cookware nowadays. So it's a, it's a surface that's, uh, it's, it's an innate substance. Uh, in other words, it's BPA free. It doesn't have any chemicals in it. Um, it is an FDA uh, approved uh, food contact surface, um, but that's what it is it? It's ceramic, so it makes it hit um, just like glass. It smokes just like glass, and it actually cleans a little bit easier than glass, in, in, in my opinion, um, but it, if anything, as easy as glass. Um, uh, but yeah, that's, that's what it does, and, uh, and it's, like I said, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's got the neck that comes off, so we're going to have all kinds of cool stuff that we'll be putting in between. In between we're working on some percolators that'll go right in between the two, um, the two parts there. I can't show those to you yet, um, but they are coming and they do work great. Um, but yeah, that's the gist of it. That's awesome. And this is now for me, officially the most lit episode of the podcast that I've had, you know, not that I haven't been lit for prior episodes. It's just, I haven't, haven't done that on the show yet. So Rich, this is, this is also your first podcast you mentioned yeah. to me. So, I, you know, this is a special one for both of us now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I've never done a podcast, never been interviewed. I'm pretty, as I was telling you before, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty reserved guy, you know, uh, uh, kind of pretty much an introvert, you know, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been great so far, though. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you stepping beyond your comfort zone and joining me. And I did want to mention one other thing about the chill, which is, you know, this is stainless steel. You're not going to break this thing, you know, unless you really try. And I, I think it would require some serious effort. So, you yeah, know, just want just wanted to highlight that as well. I and actually have a new one. I have a new one coming out. Let's see this guy right here. So this guy right here actually has an armored finish on it. So not only will you not be able to break it, but it's very, very difficult to scratch it or dent it. Um, so it's very similar to what's on, uh, the finish is very similar to like a, if you've ever had any lawn furniture, you know, like your outdoor furniture, it's a very similar finish to that. It's extremely durable. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, in general, the, the steel itself too is actually thicker than any steel that uh, your, your vacuum insulated water bottles are made of. It's a, it's a double the thickness. So even as far as dense, uh, as, as far as dents go, it's very difficult to even dent the device. Got it. And that armored piece you just showed me just looks cool. That design, I got to say, is is pretty yeah. fresh. Like that pattern or whatever the texture look of it, I, I dig it. So. I'm curious to ask you and and feel free to to say, you know, you, you, you don't want to share that publicly. I, I will sure. totally respect that. But I'm just curious, given your passion for cannabis, your design experience and manufacturing experience. And, and I'm wondering, do you have other inventions that you're working on beyond the, the chill that, you know, 
we can expect to see from Amendment 64? And, and, you know, is there anything that you can share publicly? And if not, again, totally we'll respect that and we'll just move on to the next question. Sure. Yeah, I do. Um, so my father, he is actually a, uh, a mechanical engineer. And uh, so he helped, he helped me actually with the initial designs on this device. Um, but we do have um, some pretty cool stuff coming, coming in the pipeline. I think the only thing that I can really discuss is going to be is, is really the percolators that are, that, are, that are coming to attach the device. Um, but as far as uh, Amendment 64 and the amount of products that we're going to be bringing there, we probably have 20 products in the pipeline right now. Um, that'll be attachments for this device. And we're actually actively um, searching for uh, independent uh, glass artists to, to collaborate with us uh, in, in creating some, some mixed material uh, devices. So if there's anybody out there, you can find us on chill.store again and uh, reach out and tell us you're interested in, and we'll get you some, uh, some specs on how to, how to make some things that attach to the device. Awesome. All right. I'm curious to see what kind of collaborations might arise from that. Uh, Rich, let me ask you, will, you know, beyond what you just shared, are, are you working on anything outside of the, the smoking combustion consumption kind of product, or is that really the, a core focus for you? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so as you mentioned, uh, Justin from BuzzFeed earlier, which uh, uh, BuzzFeed, uh, amazing, amazing website. It's, on, it's honestly, if it wasn't for me meeting Justin and collaborating with him and BuzzFeed, uh, I really don't think that this device would have come to market as fast as it did. Um, so highly recommend visiting, visiting his site as well and, and seeding your products there. Um, uh, but yes, we have uh, rolling trays, uh, yeah, my so my background in the housewares industry is is kind of uh, it's kind of unique. Um, so the company that I work for, we pretty much made it, uh, made things out of just about any material you can think of, everything from uh, marble to uh, exotic woods, uh, silicones, all these different kinds of materials. So essentially, we're going to leverage um, my experience with those materials uh, in creating some some fabulous cannabis ancillary items, put it to you that way. So um, I'm super excited to get there. Right now, our focus is obviously the chill. Um, after our launch in July, I think we're going to start bringing more and more products to the, uh, to the offering. Awesome. And then one question that came up, I mean, I think the answer is fairly obvious, but just in case I wanted to check, is your, your current employer your full-time gig the business that you work on the day job are they cool with you being so cannabis centric in outside of the day job and I, and I asked this you know partially because I, I always like to check in on the cannabis stigma which I think is very real and still exists in our world and so I, I just wanted to see what that's like or, or how you know I'm guessing they're obviously supportive right but I, I'm curious if maybe, that wasn't always the case, or if you had some hesitation in like communicating that, or, you know, I, I just wanted to check on that. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the company that I worked for, the, uh, the ownership of that company, um, you know, they are like my brothers. They're amazing. Um, I've learned probably 40 years worth of 
of knowledge of the industry from these guys. Um, so I can't, I can't stress enough how, how awesome they are. Um, over the last, you know, my six years with the company, I never really brought up cannabis use. Um, the, the owner ownership there, they never, they're not participants in it. Uh, you know, they, they don't know anything about the cannabis industry. Um, but they're, they've never been anti-cannabis, put it to you that way. Um, moving into this space, uh, they, they have been uh, beyond supportive of, uh, of me. And, and really, they're going to they're gonna end up being great, great partners uh, uh, for me. And I'm going to be a great partner for them in the future. Um, but for the most part, there was, no, uh, there was no real stigma. I mean, it was, it was pretty gut-wrenching. I mean, to, in full transparency, this was supposed to be like a little side gig that kind of, you know, a little extra supplement of income. Um, but the reaction to it has just been incredible. We've, we've had uh, uh, smoke shops from around the country just requesting thousands and thousands of units, which almost instantly before we've even officially launched. Um, so, you know, I had to, I had to go to ownership of, of my last company and, and tell them essentially, hey, uh, you know, it looks like I'm going to have to bring this on as a full-time, as a full-time gig. And uh, yeah, they, you know, they weren't upset about it at all. Uh, they weren't, you know, taken aback by it being cannabis, that kind of thing. Uh, it's an industry that they would never be in. So having a partner in that industry and outside of that industry, I think is in the end is going to be a good thing. Um, yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Thank you for that. I, I want to highlight the importance of having good partners there. You mentioned Justin, who helped accelerate the chill and bringing that to market. You, you mentioned the folks that you work with, right? Your partners in your kind of uh, traditional business, we'll call it, you know, and or non-cannabis career mm -hmm. and their support and their willingness to, to be, you know, flexible with, with, you know, when you came to them, you said you had to pursue this, this thing because of the response. And, you know, I, like any true partner, they were supportive because they probably were excited for you and, and the opportunity and all this stuff, right? So I, I think it's so critical in this industry to have high standards for the folks that you partner with and make sure that they can either match or respect and appreciate the cannabis passion that you bring to it, because if you want to succeed in this industry, you need to have that passion, or at least someone in the business has to bring that cannabis passion. Oh, yeah. Preferably and, everybody. Exactly. And, and that's often not the case because, you know, so many folks are coming into the industry or they see the green rush. They just acknowledge that this is a huge opportunity to make money because it's a industry being born that's growing at, you know, crazy rates. So Anyway, I, I, the punchline there is that not everyone has that privilege, right, where their job will allow them to do anything cannabis related. That stigma is really, really real still. And that's why I encourage anyone, if you want to be in this industry, you have to be an activist, you have to get involved in policy, you have to be an advocate for those folks that have greater anti-cannabis bias and stigma working against them especially the folks who are locked up for doing cannabis-related commerce. And so that's just my, my activist spiel for the day. I have to slide that into the show somewhere. <laughs> Great. I love it. 100% agree with you there. Awesome. Thank you, Rich. All right, Rich, 
let me ask you, is there anything we didn't cover today that you wanted to mention or any advice for folks that are considering joining the industry or want in, wanting to invest in the industry or, or anything like that? Anything you want to share with the cannabis community that we haven't covered today? Uh, I think we covered most of it. I, I'd say if you're, you know, if you're getting into the business, it's like you said, it's, 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 it's more than just the product. Anybody can, anybody can come up with a product, a great product idea. If you don't have the right team around you and, and people around you supporting you, working with you, uh, then it's, it's, it's a very, very, very daunting process. Um, once you, and like I said before, BuzzFeed was just simply, uh, simply put, it was, it was, uh, it threw gasoline on my fire. Um, once I seeded the product there and I got, uh, you know, uh, started working with Justin, uh, you know, the, everything kind of folded into place and, and really what it was, it wasn't, wasn't necessarily BuzzFeed, the website, right. It wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, just getting the product on there. It was that relationship that, that I got with, with Justin. And since then, um, we've created those very similar relationships with other people in the industry, uh, over the past couple of years that, that have just been key to, to the success. Um, so I, I guess there's that, uh, I mean, I guess that's the most important thing to me. The most important thing is people, 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 and people, people, and passion. And that's, you got those, if you have those three things, uh, I think, I think you're on a, on a road to success. People, 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 and passion. Was that right? People, people, and passion. Yeah. You can do it three times, two times. The people is the more important part, I guess. Passion is usually already there, but you got to have it. Gotcha. So I'm, I, then I'm hearing two parts, people, one part, passion. I'm going to add one part planet. And, you know, one way to get that planet into the team is with, <laughs> with the chill. There you go. I can dig that. I can dig <laughs> that. I like it. So Rich, let's shift gears into a coaching moment. And so I want to ask you, what is your biggest business buzzkill today? Uh, I would say, uh, I would say probably the government. I mean, in every aspect. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, uh, I was going to say, well, the taxes, but the taxes suck. But beyond the taxes, you know, they're ridiculous laws. Uh, those, those are a bigger problem than the taxes, and uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Government, government, government would be my, my answers to that. <laughs> to, keep up, to keep up with our uh, repeating words a couple of times to emphasize it situation. <laughs> government, I love that answer. It's a great yeah. answer. And I, I have to take a moment to remind anyone who might not be aware that even on the ancillary side of things, you're going to deal with so many roadblocks and barriers and headaches and unnecessary challenges just because you're ancillary to cannabis compared right. to being in any other business. And it's, you know, that means legal fees. That means a whole bunch of extra expenses of time and money and effort, which is another great reason I encourage people not to get into the cannabis business unless you really love it. But anyway, so, so Rich, when you say the government, is there a specific, I, I'm sure there are many, but is there a specific challenge that's like particularly you know holding back your business today or, or or something that you're experiencing recently that we could dig into 
I don't want to go into too much detail, but uh, you know, I'll yeah, talk. That, I'll, and that, that's okay. Yeah, I, you know, yeah let me put fine. it to you this way. If you're in this business and you don't have a great legal team, you're going to need it. You're, you're going to need a good legal team. Put it to you that way. There's, there are legal hurdles that you have to jump over. Even I come from, uh, you know, a, a very strong import uh, background, product manufacturing background. I've, you know, dealt with the FDA. I've dealt with some of the most difficult retailers in the world. So, so companies like uh, Costco, Starbucks, uh, even Walmart, they actually do all kinds of third-party testing on products. That's unreal. They do social testing, they do social audits, they do product testing, and your products have to be, you know, up to par with those guys. It's very, very difficult. That's very, very difficult to do. You add on the layer of it being an ancillary cannabis ancillary item, and you're looking at 10 times uh, of the difficulty of that. That was something that I kind of learned along the way was, was like, hey, uh, this isn't going to be a problem. I've been doing this for years. It's no problem. I, you know, and then the next thing I know, I'm, you know, getting letters about this and letters about that. And hey, you know, you have to do it this way. You have to do it that way. The legal team telling me, oh, it's going to be an extra X amount of money. And, you know, it, it adds up, it adds up quick. So, uh, you know, before you come, before you come to market, before you start to produce a single product, make sure that you are covered on your legal side and prepared to pay those expenses. Absolutely. And, and the accounting, all the corporate governance stuff, get all of those decks in a row first, and then, you know, be prepared to, <laughs> to make a lot of adjustments along the way, just because it's even ancillary to cannabis. So Rich, but I, I do want to go back and ask you if there's you know, really any pain in, in the neck issues that are like a specific, and I know some examples, we talked a little about one offline that I think is, is relevant, but, you know, I, I totally understand not wanting to get into that, but is, I, I'm just wondering if there's, you know, anything that comes to mind that you think it, it all comes, it all comes down to decriminalization, right? So there are things in the marketplace um, that, by having them, uh, you know, it, it can be a crime to have them uh, that don't even, it's not flower, you know, uh, there's, there's archaic, archaic laws on the books that were created through silly, silly court cases that had literally the worst people brought to the stand as experts to, to name things. Um, so, you know, I can't, we can't dive into too much detail because you know that, you know, the details. And honestly, I believe that your listeners probably uh, know what we're getting at. You know, um, when you go into a head shop, uh, you know, you, it's all tobacco use only items in, uh, you know, in a, in a smoke shop. Um, and there's a reason for that. And, uh, you know, and there just, there just shouldn't be, is, is what it comes down to. Absolutely. So then, you know, for me, it comes back to my favorite point which is, I always say, number number one on my list, besides love cannabis, that actually, that's number one. But number two is you have to be an activist and an advocate. And so the question that comes up for me more broadly is President Biden is not very 420 friendly, we'll say. And so I'm curious, in any kind of decrim that's coming, and I think it's pretty clear the writing on the wall for many years has been that it's coming. It's just a question of how soon. And it seems sooner and sooner as we go on. But the question is, 
are the decrim laws, is the new policy going to fix some of these problems of, of, you know, for example, a word that's coming up for me of like paraphernalia, right? Like that has some archaic interpretations and precedents when, when the justice system was very much about punishing people for something related, anything related to drugs or certain activities related to drugs. So what can entrepreneurs or activists do today to help change those policies and bring them to the modern day and really make them business friendly in a way that supports entrepreneurs and grows the industry and creates jobs and is regenerative in the way that this industry ought to be? To me, I, I mean, to me, it's, uh, you know, get out there and vote. Um, you know, as, as we see, I don't think there's, uh, I don't think there's any particular uh, uh, political party that is, you know, 100% on our side. So no matter what side of the aisle you're on, whatever your thoughts are on it, it's a plant. You know, when it comes to, when, when it comes to voting, you know, you're voting about a plant in the end, you know? So to me, the biggest thing is, hundred percent get out there and vote uh, you know change these these laws are, are archaic and uh, they make zero zero sense as far as the on the on the flip side of it I think once once dig once decriminalization happens to me the the marketplace will uh, you know will will take care of the rest it will fill it will fill in those gaps I certainly do um, you know believe that uh, uh, we have to make sure that there is uh, equity you know, um, when it comes to opening up this, you know, this marketplace. Um, so again, that, that again, comes, comes down to, to voting on those policies um, and, and making sure that everybody gets their, their fair share of, of the space is, is what I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll add to that, go educate your elected officials, whoever that may be, wherever you may be, and show them the relevance of the policy in the community. And then of course, there's got to be policy out there to replace these, these archaic systems. And, you know, that stuff's above my pay grade. So I'm curious to hear from you. What was the highlight of the conversation here today for you? Uh, I mean, I mean, meeting you, man, we've been talking for a while and, uh, and uh, I'm glad I know when we first, when we first touched base, I, I, I can't remember if you reached out to me or I reached out to you, but you were like, what is this thing? They're like, I don't know about this. Uh, I don't know. And then, and then once you had that sample, you were like, oh, all right. All right. I get it. I get it. This thing's pretty badass. All right, let's do this. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm just excited to, I, you know, that's having my product get into people's hands finally after these years of blood, sweat and tears and hurdles and essentially putting my entire life savings, not to mention hours and hours and hours of no sleep and working two jobs, essentially. Uh, it's just amazing uh, seeing it being seen and used by, you know, by others. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a product guy. Um, I, I've actually made, you know, designed tons of items that are in millions and millions of people's hands. Um, this is the first time that it's something that's just 100% me without, uh, without a whole bunch of other people helping, really. Um, so it's just, Getting it, getting it out there is, is the most exciting, uh, exciting part of, of it all, really, you know, including this, this podcast here. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm, I'm so pumped that I could have 
the first podcast with you and and right before the launch of the product or right as it's launching. I got to go back though. It's funny because for me, you know, I, I get a lot of ideas and a lot of pitches and all this kind of stuff. And so I, I do remember giving you the feedback of like, I don't know, man, you know, like it sounds cool, but is it a nice to have or a need to have? That was kind of my thought, right? Just right. as, as from my perspective, uh, as a consumer. And sure. then what really impressed me though, was the traction you guys were getting and, and the way that you were executing and how everything I'd seen from you and your team was, was done in a professional way and was making progress. So for me, that's, and then I got the sample, <laughs> awesome. uh, you know, and which, you know, made, made me feel even better about the whole thing, of course. <laughs> Thank you for that. And I'm excited to see this come to market. So tell the folks where they can go and get a hold of it one last time as it launches just in time for 420. Sure. It's going to be at www.chill.store. Don't Chill. put the um in there though. <laughs> it's just www.chill.store. Chill.store. Awesome. Chill store. Thank you so much, Rich. It's been a joy chatting with you and getting to connect. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The cannabis business coach. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The cannabis business coach.